Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. I'm really just grateful for, as we walk, we've been walking through this series on, we've, we've identified around 50 major events within Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And it's important that we, we identify major events because what happens is, and you've heard me say this before, um, if we just isolate one event and then you build your, your, your doctrine, your theology, your life around that one event, you miss the heart of God as his whole heart that he's demonstrated through his word. And so we're able to, to walk through all these major events and see the purposes of God and see that God was bringing through a man named Abraham a seed that would be a blessing to the nation, which would be Jesus Christ, who would come and who would redeem the world, who would inherit or re-inherit the nations back to himself. And so we've been on a great journey. We've been learning. And so today we're coming into a really great book. It's a lot of fun. I love the book of Joshua. I love the, the spirit of it, the heart. But I believe God wants to speak to us today. There's something that we, we read in this book Today, what we're going to hear today is a major, major, major component in God doing what he wants to do in our midst. But before we get to it, leading up to hear God's people, they're about to take the promised land. Moses appointed Joshua as the new leader for these people, and Joshua is leading. He's the new Moses. He's, he's, he's the new leader. He's, he's bearing the weight of it and he's interacting with God to determine what God has for him to do and these precious people that are put under his care. And there's a special thing going on with these people. Everybody say special. It's a special thing. It's a unique thing that's happening. It hasn't always happened. Hasn't always been a part of their community. Hasn't always been what they've been known for, but something changes. In the book of Joshua, where we begin to see the fruit of this thing that we're going to talk about today. It's the special sauce that just makes it all work. It's kind of like on tacos. There's, you can have tacos, but when you put the right salsa on the taco, it's like hallelujah, glory adios. Amen, right? It's the special sauce that just makes it work and brings it all together. And it's something that this group of people... They have. God's people, they have this thing and it is like they are absolutely unstoppable when they are following the Lord. But if they do not have it, if they, if they don't have this thing, because we've seen this thing that they didn't have, they're destructive. And what we're looking at today is this issue, the, the reality, this thing called unity. Everybody say unity. Now, I, I've, I've spent 23 years, my wife and I, in full-time ministry, and I've, I, and I've served in different capacities, in different churches, different ministries, and I've got some vivid memories in ministry of when unity was not present in a church. Vivid. In other words, I wish I could forget them. And I have wonderful, uplifting, encouraging memories of when there was unity present. And in the midst of unity, in the midst of a body that is a church that is unified, 
that the spirit of unity is in their midst. There's a feeling of belonging. There's a feeling of safety. There's a feeling of family. There's a feeling of trust. There's a feeling of oneness. But it's very important to understand that the only way that unity, the only way that unity is truly achieved can only be through Jesus Christ and the work of his spirit and gospel in the midst of a church. That's the only way. It's not based off of a a vision. It's not based off of a thing. It's, It's based off of the blood of Jesus that a community makes the decision that Jesus is going to be the Lord of their church, that Jesus is going to be the Lord of their life, that they're not going to chase after all the different things. They're going to keep Jesus at the center. And that, my friend, is a church that is blessed by God. But before we get into the the story of Joshua, which is great, it's wonderful, it's going to be fun, I I, want to share with you what what Jesus said and what he prayed for you and I. And you are in this prayer of Jesus. We don't always get the the joy of, of finding ourselves in a prayer that Jesus is specifically praying for us. And John 17 and Jesus is talking, he's talking to his, his, uh, his disciples, and he says this, I do not ask for these only. In other words, I'm just not talking about the disciples, and he's praying, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one. Everybody say one. Even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know. I want you to catch that. So that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundations or the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is a prayer of Jesus' heart. This is the prayer of what he was going to be giving of his life and his blood for the church, the church of Jesus Christ, the church that gathers together that has a pastor and has people who serve and, and, and take shepherd the flock. Are the, the pastor is not the senior pastor. According to scripture, the pastor is the under shepherd to the good shepherd. He's the one who purchased the church. He's the one who laid down his blood. He's the one who gave it all so that we could come and gather together. This is his church, amen? And so therefore, His prayer is that we would be in unity, one. But also, the moment that Jesus prayed this, and as we read it here today, the disciples hear it, we hear it, we're challenged by it, but you need to understand something. 
someone else heard this prayer. And who heard this prayer was our adversary, the enemy, the devil. He heard this prayer and he began to immediately work in direct opposition to bring disunity within the church. Because he does not want the world to know about Jesus. So if our unity and our, and our spirit together is setting a different example to a lost, hurting, broken world that they would go, our lives are falling apart and they look to the church, these Christians who come and gather at Faith Church, as they look to us, they go, why is your life different? And we can say, it is because of Jesus. But if we are in disunity, and as, as if we are fighting and factions and, and, and grumbling and complaining and I don't like you and you don't like me and, and we're the happy family, they're going to say, no, thank you. Because the unity in our midst is to be a witness to those who need Jesus. And unity is not something that happens on accident it just doesn't come natural for us humans. It's something that takes work, something that takes time, something that needs to be protected, something that, is, that, that must be based, now hear me today, on God's standard for our purposes. You can have unity around a false doctrine. You can have unity around one thing that actually doesn't tell the full story. And you can build some type of momentum temporarily. But if you want the blessing of God in your midst, your unity must be built around the full and total understanding of Scripture and the standards of God. It's not my truth. It's not your truth. It's the truth. And there's a difference. It must be prayed for. Unity must be prayed for. It must be fought for. It must be sought after. It must be talked about. And the common foundational baseline in a group of people, a church, who are, who, who, the, the baseline, who are seeing God move in their midst is a group of those who are submitted and committed to the lordship of Jesus Christ in their life and in their family. And so this is what the people of Israel have as we step into Joshua, unity. Now, unity is hard because by nature, and I don't want anybody to point any fingers at anybody. By nature, we are critical. Say amen. And then just point at yourself. That's good. You can do that. It's called exposure therapy. You are critical. Okay, good. We tend to create cliques, groups, and we distinguish. Now, this is our thing. This is my thing. We use those cliques to rally together, to leverage those group of people within that clique who, who said, nope, this is what we're about to get what we want sometimes in church, not here. I've just heard it at other churches have done this before. And where there's disunity is the place in which God's favor, hear me today, does not dwell. You may have his blessing and you may have 
a sense of unity and you may be walking through some things as a church and, and we are doing that and we're continuing to lean into that and, and, and there comes a time and then all of a sudden when disunity comes in, the hearts of people disconnect. Murmuring happens, complaining happens. We've seen this through the, through the children of Israel leading up to this point where we are today in the, in, in, in the scriptures. There was something that just, they just couldn't get it together. So they come to the edge of what God has for them and they be disunified and, okay, let's go around the mountain one more time. The promise of God for you, for your family, for this church I believe one of the major, major indicators and the major signals and the major thing that we must get is unity because the scripture is clear. In Psalm 133, it says this, how good and pleasant it is for God's people to live, to, to live together in what? Say this with me, in unity. For there the Lord bestows his favor and his blessing and life evermore. I'll tell you what, if a group of believers are committed to one another, if they're committed to a biblical vision of why Jesus laid his life down for the church, if they're submitted to the word of God and submitted to be people of love and kindness that we would help each other walk this journey as we unify our hearts that group of people that's actively pursuing to weave themselves into the fabric and to the life of the church, that is a place that God's blessing is evident and his favor is moving throughout the congregation and his presence is transforming lives. And we stand back and go, we didn't do that. Only God could have done that. And that's the truth. This isn't to guilt us in any way. It's just for us many times, and myself included, we forget the reality that God has called us to be unified, that it takes work. The Bible calls us a church, and that unity is more than just Sunday attendance. That unity is more than just showing up. It's weaving ourselves into the unity of our church. Same way with a family. How many know that a leadership as a father isn't just showing up, eating, going to sleep, going to work? There's, you weave yourself. You have game night. You have hanging out times. You have enchiladas. It's important. I'm so sorry. I'm hungry today. I don't know. My bad. <laughs> All the Hispanics say hallelujah. Yeah, all right. I'm not one, but I live vicariously through you, okay? But it's, 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 it looks like something. And maybe at a church, it looks like weaving yourself into maybe to serve in the children's ministry or to serve on an impact team or to grow and be a part of a small group for a season to attend maybe classes at our Bible U that we offer, maybe to go on a mission trip and serve alongside other teams. Maybe it's to introduce yourself to someone you've never met before and you see them walk in. Why? Because you care about the unity of your church. 
But unity is intentional. Unity is what God has called us to. Jesus said this, and then we'll get to the passage. You, in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Shine before others so that they may see your good works and give what? Glory to your Father who is in heaven. Unity gives glory to the Father. And it's a witness to those around us. And that's what we see happening in Joshua. We've been on a journey. They've come out of slavery with the children of Israel. They've wandered in the desert. Those who longed for the, for the good old days of Egypt... They caused disunity. They couldn't stop complaining. And now they've all died off. They're all gone, except for a couple of them who believed God. And now a new generation under the leadership of Joshua is ready to rock and roll with whatever God has for them. And God's given Joshua a plan. Joshua gathers him and tells him right away, listen, 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 this is what we're going to do. God says, we're going into the, you're going into the land. God said, Joshua, come here. They get into the land. He begins to give a strategy. And so now Joshua gathers them and tells them what they're going to do. And he says, we're going into the land. This is what God's going to do for us. And I want you to hear their response. This is a people, I titled this signs of unity. So you can either, you can identify these things in your family. You can identify them in your relationship with Christ. You can identify them in our church. But signs of unity. Joshua 1 verse 16 says, and after Joshua told them, he says, and they answered Joshua, all that you've commanded us, we're going to do. And wherever you send us, we're going to go. Just as we obeyed Moses and all these things, we will obey you. Only may the Lord be your God be with you as he was with Moses. Now, this is old covenant, but what they are so passionate, they're so unified, they tell Joshua, whoever rebels against your command and disobey your word, let's kill them. They're committed. But look, look what they say, only be strong and courageous. So signs of unity. I want to give us some things today that I believe God will challenge us. Signs of unity. Number one, you face the future when you're unified with courage, trust, loyalty, confidence, and cooperation. This is a sign of unity. They were confident in their God and in their leader. You could hear it in their voice. They don't know what's exactly beyond the Jordan River, but they know there's some fortified cities. They know there's some big dudes in there. They didn't know what was going to be in the land. They didn't know what the future held. They didn't know the uncertainties. Just like we don't know the uncertainties of the future. But there was a confidence there was a confidence, a cooperation, a loyalty where the previous generation at every turn as they led up to the promised land, the land belonged to them. God's promise was for them. He wanted to give it to them. Every time they got up to the, it just, they oh, let's go around the mountain one more time. Poor Moses. 
Every time they, it, there was a change, the previous generation had freaked out, created fractions, they complained at every change, at every, every difference. I don't like that. Groups rose up, groups rebelled against Moses. Groups broke off and started their own churches. That's not happened, but it does happen. Groups rallied together and said, we want quail. We really want quail. I belong to a quail club and I've subscribed to those DVDs every week. We're going to watch the quail DVDs. We have to. Well, we're not going to watch it. Well, then fine, I'm out of here. They said, we want manna. And they complained. I'm scared. I want vegetables. I'm going to go back to Egypt. At every turn, what was that? What was speaking from their, from their heart in those moments? That's what disunity a lot of times is based on. At every turn, they were filled with fear, anxiety, an unsubmitted heart to the Lord, bad attitudes. But now it's a new day. Not these people. They said, all that you've commanded us, we're going to go and do wherever, whatever you tell us to do, wherever you tell us to go, we're in. Show us. You just point and say, there, let's go. And I love their spirits. I pray that my heart would be this way to the truth of God's word. And then they say this. After, after they tell them, they go, hey, also Joshua, we were just sitting here thinking, we want you to be encouraged. We want you to be filled with strength. We want, we want you to be courageous. We want you to be strong. And Joshua was like, man, this is easy. Moses didn't have people like this, but Joshua does. And there's something that happens in their spirit that they're able to accomplish things that the previous people could never do. This is when a unified group of God's people looks like. You have the two comparisons. Now, here's the truth. Unity is optional. It is. But you know what else is optional? The promised land. Unity is optional. But what else is optional is what God wants to do by his grace and his spirit and pour out something fresh and new in our midst. That's optional as well. This unified group of, of God's people, they are facing the future with courage, trust and loyalty and confidence and cooperation. And these are the people who, who make this decision. Now you can have it or you cannot, but these are the people. These are those who are going to live out the promise, who are gonna have the all things are possible promise in the midst of their, of their family, in the midst of their, of their gathering, in the midst of their community, they're gonna have the, 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 the nuances of the favor and the blessing and the power of God working in their midst because they've chosen unity. Now listen, I know that in, in every church and it doesn't matter. There's always, there's always those who are in the flesh. They don't like change. There's always the previous. I'm not saying this is a generational thing. It's a heart thing, not a generational thing. There's always those who act like the way the other ones did. 
And many times we can be distracted by those precious people. But the reality is they may not go where God would be taking us. Not because of a man thing, but because of a God thing. And it's okay. If they do, they can bask in the glow of your obedience and your good attitude. And they can receive the blessing of your obedience and your heart and you fighting for unity. But the unified one, the one who's committed to unity in your home, in your marriage, in your family, and in your church, are the ones who get the action of possessing what God has for the body. We've been through a lot of changes over, the, over several years and all the different shifts of life and even the demographic and, and, and our community and even, so you got COVID, you got the political stuff, you got all, everything has been, and, and we've made a lot of changes and we've tried different things and as we felt the Lord leading, we've stopped things and started some other things and, and you've been great. And you've said, let's get after it. I'm thankful that though change doesn't always come easy for some of you, you've kept your heart right. And I can see the fruit in your life. I don't know what the future is. I don't know what's going to happen. But what I do know is that we have a future. And I do know is that we together We'll get after whatever God puts in front of us with no fear, with no discouragement, with no disunity, and we're going to see God do great things in our midst. Amen? These people with Joshua followed him into the future with the right spirit, the right attitude. Now, they haven't faced any real opposition yet, though. Here and there, God's been sifting them as a people so that they can actually step into everything God has for them. And so they, they go into the land. They cross over the Jordan, which we're not, we won't look at, but they've walked over the Jordan. God's provided for them. And now they're looking at a fortified city that they heard about. And this fortified city is Jericho. And so God pulls Joshua aside and says, Joshua, this is, this is your first fortified city. I'm going to give you a plan. I'm going to help you out here, son. So Joshua's like, okay, I'm so excited, God. Here we go. This is great. What do you have for us? And then God says this. Or sorry, Joshua writes this. Now, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. So they were, they were scared. They were shut up inside. You can't get in. None went out, none came in, and the Lord said to Joshua, now look at, look, look at this. The Lord said to Joshua, while the walls are closed, the gates are shut, nobody's going in or out, there's no access points. He says, um, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Now, Joshua's like, you have? Because we're out here and there and there. Jericho was a massive city. And so then, then God says, listen, I'm, I'm going to give you a plan, Joshua. And Joshua says, okay. Now, th I want you to put yourself in Joshua's shoes this morning, just for a little fun. Put yourself there. Military, strategy. 
This is what God says. All right, there's the plan. You're going to march around the city. All the men of war going around the city once. And then you're going to do that for another day. Just get around the city. Okay. Then another day. Okay. Another day. So you do it one time a day. Okay. You're going to do that. So you're going to walk around the city. Okay. Okay. But on the seventh day. Now, I don't know. Joshua was like, oh boy, here we go. Here we go. What's going to happen? But on the seventh day, you're going to get the trumpet players. Okay. The ram's horn and the ark. Okay. On the seventh day, though, this this, is what's going to, Joshua, listen to this. You're going to walk around it seven times. Okay. And then the priests are going to blow those trumpets. Okay. And when you hear that, then the people are going to shout. Okay. And the walls are going to fall. All right. Now, what I love about this, <laughs> I, 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 love, I love Joshua's confidence. And I, I don't know if he stood there and thought, should I keep listening? Because maybe this isn't the full story. I don't know. Now, listen, they had never done this before. This had never happened. And so Joshua, he shows up. He goes, okay. All right, this is what we're going to do. And he walks to the people. He goes, come on, everybody, guys, listen, I got the plan. All right, guys, do you see the, the, the city behind me? You see Jericho? Yeah, yeah. We said, we're ready. They sharpening their swords. Come on, we're ready. Bring it on. Okay, we're going to walk around that one day. Okay, all right. And then we're going to do it for five more. So six total, okay. And they're probably thinking, okay, then what? Well, then, then the, 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 horn, the horn players, the horn players are going to get their horns out and they're going to blow their horns and it's going to make the horn sound. And when you hear the horn sound, we're going to scream really loud. Okay. But God says those walls are going to fall down. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. This has never happened before. There's no, this is not, this is, doesn't make any sense. Now, the previous generation, we would have had like eight chapters of complaints and this and the, and the power of God smite the earth and snuff their little heads off of their bodies. And I don't know, you, we, oh my gosh, but something happens here. Nobody says, I disagree. That makes no sense. No one says, what color horns? No one said that. <laughs> Previous generation would have chapter complaints and grumblings. And, but not these folks. There's something different about them. There's something in their hearts. There's something that burns in them. Not a word, not a question, not a rumbling. Just let's get her done. There's nowhere in here. You don't have anywhere that that night, as you did actually with Moses, they said they were complaining in their tents about what was going on and they could hear and gossip was moving throughout the camp. Not here. You don't hear that night. 
Sister Mary leaned over to Brother Joseph or whatever, Joshua Jr. and said, this ain't gonna work. You do know that they're just horns, right? Nothing's gonna happen. You don't hear it, you don't sense it, there's no fear. On the seventh day, it says they rose early. At the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times, they were unified. It it was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. Verse 16, and at the seventh time when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given us the city. And when they did that, the walls fell down. Why were they able to do that? Because they were unified. And when you allow the unity of God in your midst, he wants to do things through you. He wants to do things among you that when we, after we see God do something, we go, that ain't my idea. That ain't your idea. Only God gets the glory for destroying what the enemy has set out to destroy us. But this is their spirit of cooperation. Jesus prays, John 17, that they would be one. So that the purpose of the church can be accomplished. They were united. The second sign of God's people in unity. Number two, there's a willingness to try something that you've never tried before. We saw it in Jericho. We know the trumpets didn't knock down the walls. We know the walking didn't knock down the walls. We know the number of times isn't, isn't going to do it. Someone would have written a book about the power of seven and, and actually sold it among them. They did it today. No, we know that's not the case. It wasn't the shouts that did it. It was the hand of God that moved on their behalf and out of their obedience and out of their desire to be unified for what God was doing in their midst. I believe the God of Joshua, chapter six, is the same God today. I I believe it. That he can accomplish more through his spirit that he he can accomplish great miracles in our midst. But the key is the same spirit they had. They were unified. I'm sure we're gonna face challenges at some point. I'm sure we're gonna have to contend for unity. But we serve a God that is not limited by what we are capable of of doing or not capable of doing. God doesn't ask, uh, he, w- he wouldn't ask our church, hey, listen, what are you capable of doing? Then, okay, then you can do that. No, no, he says, are you willing to believe that all things are possible through me? Are you willing to believe that God, that I can, I'm, I can pour my spirit out in your midst and heal your family and restore your broken hearts and bring, bring health back to your mind and heal your, your physical heart and heal your emotional heart and restore your marriage and rescue your child that's been seduced by the culture of the world and, and speak to your spouse that's been also seduced by the culture of the world. Do you believe that I can begin to do stuff in your midst? He's the same God.
But what I do know is this, that God can do those things through cooperation, through us listening to him, through us uniting our hearts to allow him to do what he chooses in our midst. He can remove obstacles in our lives that seem impossible and he can do it through a trumpet and a scream if he wants to while we're on a walk. Amen? I believe that God wants to do things that only he gets the glory for. I believe it. Most don't experience the hand of God moments because the group of people are not unified and they're not willing to try something that they've never tried before. And so they go in and they take Jericho and they celebrate. But God's not done. They go to, we want to move to chapter 8. I want you to notice in chapter 8, God is still, the action's still moving forward. Notice Joshua is still listening to what God wants them to do. He doesn't come to the city of Ai and say, you know what, I got it. No, no, Lord, I already know. We walk around six times, blow the jump. No, he doesn't do that. He didn't say, I got it, I got it. Priests get the trumpets. He does it. Why? Because at every challenge, at every situation, there is a unique way that God leads his people. And there are different ways that he does it at different seasons and times, depending on what he wants to accomplish. And we must discern that. We must be aware of that. If we are not, we will be, we'll be walking around a, a city and the seventh time we do our thing and nothing happens. And then we go, must be their fault. Must be his fault. Must be the wrong color horn. We must be willing to discern and to, and to embrace the reality that there are shifts in the spiritual geography of our city, of our state, of our schools, of our homes, and the strategy in which God wants to do something crazy and awesome and powerful is not what he did last year, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. The God of the Bible is the God, is the God that is with us right now and has the word for us right now. And we can spend our energy and our efforts on trying to recreate the way, the way God did something at another time instead of just freshly walking in unity, in obedience to the Father, in submission to his word. And we just seek his counsel and his strategy in a particular situation. God wants to do that in your family. And God wants to do that here. In Joshua chapter 8, God gives them the plan. Joshua and all the fighting men rose to go up to Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 men of valor and sent them out by the night. And he commanded them, behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind it. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you remain ready. And as I and all the people who are with me will approach the city. So look, they've got different roles. And when they come out against us, just as before, we shall flee before them. And they will come out after us. 
And until we've drawn them and they're going to follow us out of the city, we're going to draw them out of the city and, and they're, going to, they're going to be coming after us. And so we will flee and they're going to chase us. Verse 7, then you shall rise up and you shall ambush the city for the Lord your God will give it to, into your hands. As soon as you have taken the city, you're going to set the city on fire. Now this is, this is like, okay. So they actually, they divided into four different groups and they had to, okay, you're, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. I'm going to be the bait. All right, let's go. Another sign of a unified people. It's number three, there's a willing, willingness to do what is needed. There's a willingness to do what is needed. No one said, actually, an ambush isn't my thing. Can I go with you? I'm more of a pyro fire guy. Can I go in and burn things down? I kind of like that. I'm anointed for that. No one said, well, I... I, I want to be with Joshua. He's the leader. I want, to be, I want to be with that guy. I don't want to go. I want to go with him. You don't see that. You don't hear that. You said, okay, let's get it done. They're willing to do because they're unified. This is the, these are signs of unity. They are willing to do what is needed to accomplish what is needed to accomplish. They were in unity. And a church that is in unity is a church that is unstoppable. It's the truth. From the moment Jesus prayed, John 17, the adversary has been trying to bring dis unity. And he's smart and he'll cloak it and all kinds of stuff. But he is terrified of a church that makes a decision we're going to be unified in what Jesus wants to be done through our church. Before this service, I do a impact team meeting. We worship together and I teach for a little bit. And I, I'm so honored to serve with those who serve in our body. And we're a family. And so many, we just do what we got to do to get things done for the mission and the purpose of Jesus. Just like in a family, sometimes you need to clear the table after dinner. Sometimes you need to take out the trash. Sometimes you need to scrub toilets. Sometimes you need to mow the grass. Sometimes you... You do stuff you're not crazy about. Sometimes you do stuff you are crazy about. And a, a, a unified body that calls themselves a church, faith church, is not worried about who's going to get the glory, who's going to be seen. They're not, they're not looking for a, a spot. They're not looking for, I got to make sure my cousin Susie, she gets the glory. They're, no, 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 no. We are a family. And the one glory that we're worried about is the glory of Jesus Christ. And that's how the body of Christ is to work. The cross of Jesus Christ is the great equalizer. No one comes and stands arrogant at the foot of the cross. 
of Jesus. We stand before him, not worthy, but because of his love for us, he's made us worthy. That's what I love about church. I love that we together, we come in and we walk into the room and nobody says, yes, but I'm better than you. Well, you may, but you're going to be uncomfortable, especially in this message. A church that's unified is willing to do what's needed for the family. Not what you think is needed. Not what just you want to be done. There's a humility that a unified body like these, like these, these precious people with Joshua, roll up your sleeve and say, well, what, what do we need? Let's get her done. If, if my goal is to be seen, to be known, if my goal is to some to memorialize my name on some building, somewhere on our property that's going to be torn down one day anyway. That I'm the problem. That spirit's the problem. If a person will only do something, if a person will be okay with being obscure, then we will see the power of God move in our midst. I believe that. If we can take on the nature of Jesus, of what Paul said, he was writing the church in Philippi, and he said, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his or her own needs, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves. He's speaking to us today, friends, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, on a cross. And this is the one who purchased you, who purchased this church, who laid his blood as the foundation of faith church. He owns it. We don't own it. Our bodies belong to him. Therefore, he gets to do with us what he chooses. And when we say yes to that, then we get to see the Jericho walls of our lives 
happen. We get to see the miracles in our families. We get to see the, the strategies of AI. We get to see God doing things we never thought possible. And we get to do it with one another. Today, more than ever, the church must be the light that shines before all men. This is what it means to be unified. We don't choose what unity looks like. But as we unify around what Scripture says, as we commit to the, to the things of the Bible, as we commit our families to the things of Scripture, as we grow together, as we serve together, as we do what is, what is needed, as we, as we cooperate and pray for one another, as we, as we speak into others' lives, as, as being woven into the fabric of a church is more than just attendance. It is being a part of the supernatural power of God that he's looking for a church to shout to the world, this is what it means to be unified. And that, that shout from us is Jesus actually came to die for you and me and the rest of the world. That is, that is, where, that is where we begin to see God do things in our life. And may that be so in our midst. May that be so in your heart. Remember, unity is optional. But so is the promised land. What do you want? Do you want to experience everything that God has for you and your family? Do I want my children to actually know what it means to experience the power and presence of God? Yes. Do I want your grandchildren to, to know that God is alive and loves them and passionately seeks them? As you bring them into our gathering, they experience the love of God. Do you want to see people delivered from demonic powers of perversion and seduction and do you want to see God's provision of 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 doing things in our midst of could be financial could be opportunity I do unity is the key and may we experience and pursue it in a way that we begin to see God do great things in our midst If we can, let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for your word today that speaks so clearly to us. Jesus, we continue to declare that my life belongs to you. This ministry belongs to you. And Lord, we do, collectively, we want to see you do great things through us. We want to see the unstoppable force of the wind of the Spirit in our midst. Not based off of what was, of what someone said, but based off of 
just the unique, moving presence of your spirit in our midst, doing whatever you choose. And so, Lord, today we ask you that you would honor and fulfill Psalm 133, that you would be pleased by the unity in this church. For here you will bestow your blessing and life evermore. Lord, I want to pray today for the unity within marriages, the unity within children and parents and siblings, the unity within different generations, that, Lord, we would lay all things aside and we would pursue that which brings you glory, and that's unity. That we would all submit ourselves under the authority of Scripture. That we would be led by the Spirit. That we would be transformed by the Son. And that we would experience the love of the Father. Lord, we say yes to all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed just for a moment. If you're here today and nobody's looking around and you realize that you do not know Jesus Christ, that you are not actually a part of his family, that you sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit that's inviting you to be forgiven, and you want to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ from your sin, nobody is looking around. If that's you today, raise your hand and just hold it up before the Lord. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Anyone else would like to respond? You just lift your hand right where you are. Don't let this moment slip by. God brought you here. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm just going to ask all of us to pray it. And may you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Give me a new heart. Thank you for dying for me. I believe. Thank you for raising from the dead. Thank you for calling me today. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord.